Mr. Benfica is a production of the PTB Media Network. All rights reserved. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, CastBox, Overcast, Himalaya, Pod Paradise, TuneIn, Breaker, and now available on iHeartRadio, Radio.com, and also on Audible for Amazon Prime subscribers. As always, select episodes available on YouTube and, of course, at www.mrbenfica.com. Please like, share, and rate the show on your preferred platform. Enjoy the show. What's up, Benfica Nation? Welcome to another episode of Mr. Benfica here on the PTB Media Network. How is everyone doing tonight? It is late, I know. Thank you for staying up late with me tonight. If you are watching live on YouTube, on Twitter, or on my Facebook page right now, thank you, thank you, thank you. If you're watching at another time, at a later time, thank you as well. And if you're listening to the podcast, as always, uh, you are the backbone of this show, the podcast that is right. So, the Liga B-Win, as we're calling it now, now that Naj is out of out of the business of football, apparently, or at least in naming rights, um, it got off to a, to a hot start this, this past weekend. We had all three teams winning, all three major teams winning, four teams winning. Of course, there are four teams in, in Portugal now that are the major big four, as I call them. All right, and they they all came through this weekend. Plus, we had some surprises. One today, actually, a Monday night thumping. Um, it was Gilles Vicente coming out on top, 3-0 today. Gilles Vicente shocking the league a little bit here in the early going. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing to have football back once again. Um I'm just so psyched that uh, not just that Benfica's back, but that club and league football is getting started again. I love summer, but I I miss the, the action. I definitely miss the action. Yes, there's action in other parts of the world, but when everybody's playing and there's matches every day, that is really when the mister gets, gets 
gets fired up and can't uh, can't get enough of it. So, of course, Benfica travels this past weekend to Moreira dos Conegos. And how about the support for Benfica up north once again? I mean, the kings of the north, Benfica are. Okay, we travel so well up there. I shouldn't even say we travel because those fans live there. Uh, we are so well supported in the north every time the team has to travel up there, every time the team plays up north. They are well supported and Befica Nation well represented no matter where they play within the confines of Portugal and beyond. Of course, Benfica come in with a lot of changes. Um, we'll talk about that in just a little bit. You know, JJ playing a little bit of poker here in, uh, and uh, fibbing a little bit with the media in the lead-up in the Antvi zone, the, the pre-match uh, presser, talking about his three center backs being gassed and that definitely have to go back to four across the back because they don't have the bodies. And then, you know what? That's not what he did at all, but he did rotate, man. He did rotate. He looked like a Brazilian coach in this match. Uh, this looked like when, when the Brazilian teams play in the league and in the Libertadores, they when they when they have these knockout stages or these preliminary stages as well, and the league game sandwiched in between, you see a lot of rotations. Um, JJ was pray was first criticized and then praised in Brazil for not doing this, but he had no choice there. It is absolutely insane, absolutely insane. And I mean, if we could do this to themselves, so I'm not. I'm. I have to say that with a grain of salt. But it is insane to play three games in your first seven days of the season, three competitive matches right in the first seven days. Wednesday, Saturday, Tuesday. Um, but Benfica did that to themselves, finishing third last season. They, you know, they they pissed away enough points where they should have finished second. They didn't take care of business when they could have, and thus this is this is what happens. Um, of course, João Mario also suspended as well as Elton late in this match. So some changes forced there. Do we have a goalkeeping controversy? We may or may not get to that tonight. Uh, we'll we'll see how the show goes. But yeah, it's 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 a very interesting time to be following Benfica. We got a couple debuts in this one, um, or at least we have one major debut for Miete. I, I liked what I saw from him. I'll get into that. Um, yeah, he's not fit to play ninety minutes in, in normal circumstances, but for a guy who's played so little football, I thought I thought he was quite good. Um, so I can't wait to get into this match. All right, I hope you all enjoyed it as much as I did. How great again was it to hear? The Benfica fans just singing the entire match. I'm telling you, I'm not deleting this game from my VAR. When I go to sleep at night, I'm putting this thing on just to listen to the listen to the songs of the Benfica supporters in the ground on Saturday. And I thought it was awesome to have an afternoon game too. We don't get any of these. It was a nice throwback. We don't see that anymore. A nice throwback with the bright sunshine on the pitch and... Um, I think it made for great television as well. I thought it was spectacular to look at on the screen. Um, the shadows weren't too bad. And Befica in an all-red kit. I thought it looked nice. I'm glad they didn't come out with that third black kit again. I don't want to see that thing too often. Okay, I don't want to see that thing too often. Um, obviously, they weren't going to wear white playing against a white and green uh, checker team. So I think uh, I liked that ensemble going with the all-red kit versus bringing in the black shorts. Uh, a much more traditional Benfica kit. And uh, there was enough to take from this match. I mean, there was pros, there was cons. So there was stuff to build on and to learn from. But 
but also stuff you can feel good about and that you can you can get excited about going forward with this team. And I'll get into all that in just a little bit. But what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to take a tiny little break, okay? Those of you listening on the podcast, you know what time it is. You know you're going to get Reconquista now. And on the other side, we're going to go to the news. So if you are uh, if you're watching on YouTube, on Periscope, or on uh, Facebook, or on www.mrbenfica.com, if you're watching there right now, you're going to get just a short break, and we're going to get right into the news All right, but those of you listening to the podcast, you're going to get some music as well. So we will be right back here on Mr. Benfica, and this is episode 118. I'm the Mr. Mike Agustinu. You see my Twitter handle there on the screen for those of you watching. It is at M-I-K-E-A-G-O-S-T-I-N-H-O. That's at Mike Agustinu. Also follow the show at Benfica Mr. as well. And don't forget to check out the homepage, www.mrbenfica.com. We will be right back. Passa a passo, o caminho é duro. Temos muita história, mas ainda mais futuro. Conto com dificuldade em cada jornada sofrida. A glória da vitória tem que ser bem nutrida. Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito Quem não fico por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica Carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz Do que é nosso por direito Que não vi por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo Ouve a nossa sorte O querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica Carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz O querer de and in the news this week here on Mr. Benfica, we start with Baby Benfica. I'm talking, of course, about Benfica B. They got off to a flying start in the Liga 2 today at home at the Seychelles versus Nacional. And Nelson Verissimo's Benfica B smashes Costinha's Nacional. That's right, Nacional, the team. We were celebrating their relegation last season. That's right, I said goodbye, don't take care, see you never. 
And now it, they are welcomed to the Liga 2 by Benfica B. And they are smashed 5-0 at the Seychelles. Here are the 11 for Benfica B earlier today in gold. The debut of Samuel Suarez. Uh, you have João Ferreira, Pedro Ganches, Rafael Brito, Rafael Rodrigues, Ilya Vukotic, Paulo Bernardo, Pedro Álvaro, Henrique Araújo, Samuel Pedro, and the incredible Umaru Imbalo. Um, a lot. I mean, if you go back, uh, go back about, I don't know, a little over a year, perhaps, um, to those episodes where I covered the UEFA Youth League Finals, where we had the quarterfinals, the semi, and the final, where Benfica lost, unfortunately, to Real Madrid in that final. A final they outplayed Real Madrid without question, and Real Madrid's uh, coach, uh, the legendary Raul, said as much in his post-game uh, interview. Uh, a lot of these guys were in that team. This is exciting. That generation is continuing to evolve and continuing to emerge. Now, some of you may be upset that some of these guys, especially Paulo Bernardo, are not on the first team. I feel for that. Um, I also don't want to see what happened with Jota and what's happened with Florentino happened to the, to him as well, uh, especially Jota, okay? I don't want to see what happened with Thiago Dantes happen. I don't want to see players come up and sit. It happened all last season, okay, and all the season before. There's always these players, we call them up, we get excited, and then they don't play. They lose an entire season of their development. So, if it's best for Paulo Bernardo right now to be at Benfica B and to play day in, day out and get a lot of minutes, get a lot of reps and put in performances like today's, then I think in the long run this is going to be better for the player. Perhaps the next step before the, the first team is a loan to a to another Liga team. Okay, I think that's the best course of action because I think loaning Thiago Dantes to Tondela is going to pay huge dividends to us later on uh as you saw he played 87 minutes in the opener this week for Tondela and he hasn't seen 87 minutes uh, you know 87 minutes on the pitch since probably that that UEFA Youth League final against Real Madrid so um very big day like I said Paul Bernardo one of the stars of the match uh the goals came from from Vukotic in the 13th minute Enrique Araujo another player on that on that UEFA Youth League side, 19th minute goal for him. He is a phenomenal striker. Uh, huge, huge future ahead for Enrique Araujo. João Ferreira, who's had a cup of coffee on the first team before. We saw him in bits and pieces when necessary last season. He scores in the 45th. Umaru Imbalo, one of my favorites in this side. He scores in the 47th. And then Luis Duque converts a pen in the 90th minute. And... It is 5-0 to Benfica, sending Nacional back with their heads held down in shame. Congratulations to Benfica B. And after one round, baby Benfica lead the Liga 2 on goal difference ahead of Riuav, Mafra, Academic Viseu, Sporting Covilhã, and Penafiel, who all won this weekend but all um, and thus also have three points. Women's football played in the Kaif Trophy over the weekend in Austria, and they finished in third place with two wins and one defeat. In the four-day um, four tournament, Benfica got started off by facing the eventual winners, the German side Turbine Potsdam, 
And Turbine Potsdam wins 2-0 over the Lady Agiesh in that opening match. Benfica rebounds and turns it around. Plays very well in their in their following two matches. A 3-0 victory over Austria Vienne and a 2-0 victory over the Czech Republic's Sparta Prague. Benfica ladies now get ready. Um, for the start of their season. The Liga BPI champions start for real on the 18th of August against the Israeli champions Kiryat Gat in a one-match winner advances uh, round. If successful, of course, uh, Benfica will advance and play the winner of the Bosnian champions SFK 2000 and Luxembourg's champions Racing FC. That match would take place on the 21st of August and all um, all of those matches will take place at the Bosnia-Herzegovina National Training Center in Zenica, Bosnia. So good luck, of course, to the Benfica women's team. And they have a very good opportunity to advance out of this first qualifying round. Very funny uh, first qualifying round because of some teams withdrawing from the tournament. They, they had fewer teams. Thus, they they put the teams... In the champions path that Benfica is playing through, they put them in pods of four. One team will emerge from the four-team pod. Hopefully, it's Benfica. If they do that, they will advance to round two. They'll go into the draw and then have a normal two-legged affair to see who advances to the first-ever group stage in the UEFA Women's Champions League. I'm sure it won't be easy. I'm sure the big guns are going to be out in that that, uh, second preliminary round. But we shall see. Um, we shall see what awaits Benfica in this match. Very early, of course, they got to play these crucial Champions League qualifiers before the Liga BPI has even started. But there is a lot of quality in our women's team, as everybody knows by now. And I'm um, looking forward to August 18th. It is it is marked on my calendar. I cannot wait. Uh, in other women's sports news around the club, women's basketball has re-signed their captain, Joana Soedu. Um, she led the Lady Agiesh to the title last year. Uh, she has quite the resume, uh, a guard and a Portugal international as well, and she even played some college hoop here in the United States for Marion University. Women's hockey renews with Maria Vieira. Uh, she now will play her 14th season as a member of Benfica in women's hockey. Men's hockey also makes a signing. They signed Spanish skater Paul Manrubia, and uh, he he joins Benfica from the Spanish league. And this is a good signing for Benfica. Of course, last year ended uh, in quite a disappointing way after Benfica had gotten ahead two games to none on Porto in the league semifinals for, for hockey. They then were beaten three straight. They got the reverse sweep and knocked out by by Porto in those semifinals. They need to be better this year. Um, there's been some movement in the team. You know, we've said goodbye to some players. We've brought in some players. Be interesting to see if they can turn this around because it has been a a, a disappointing couple of seasons now for Benfica in men's hockey. And everybody that is the news, the first edition of the news for the 21-22 season or season four here on the podcast. 
Next week, we'll have more news to keep you updated here on Mr. Benfica. I am the host, the Mr. Mike Agustinho. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at M-I-K-E-A-G-O-S-T-I-N-H-O. That's right, at Mike Agustinho. That's at M-I-K-E-A-G-O-S-T-I-N-H-O. And when we come back, we'll get right into Moreres versus Benfica, Liga B win, round one. This is Mr. Benfica. So now we go to Moreira dos Conegos, and we have Moreira's hosting Benfica, and we are at the we are at the Parque Desportivo Comendador Joaquim de Moreira, um, de Moreira dos Conegos, in Moreira dos Conegos, Portugal. At least that's how it's listed. I think part of that is missing there in the title. I don't think that was his name. It's Joaquin de, and I don't believe his last name was Moreira dos Conegos. But Fop Mob throws me off. Official attendance was 1,498 for this one. Um, it sounded like a lot more. Like I said, it was a fantastic afternoon. Fantastic ambiance uh, for all of the... For all of the Benfica fans in the in the ground, all of the singing, all of the chanting, it was all done in such a good way and notable. No n- needs to be noted, okay, that there was nobody sitting in the section designated for the fans with the cartão adepto, the fans ID card, something that is a very hotly contested thing in Portugal right now, and only one. You wouldn't believe it. Only one stadium used, you know, filled that section, and they're getting praised as the only as the only stadium to sell all their tickets for this match. You know why? Guess guess who didn't mind sitting in the the section for the fans with the with the cartão de adepto, the the fans with the with the fan ID card. It is none other than that northern uh, prison stripe looking side. Uh, you know who they are. I hate to even mention their name. Puerto. It's them. They're the only ones that used that section. The rest of the league stood, or the supporters in the rest of the league stood in solidarity against that measure, against that legislation. 
But, of course, you can't count on those animals to do anything, um, to do anything in unison with the rest of us. Uh, biggest problem there is in Portuguese football is that club and their fan base. For everything that's happened at our club this summer and for as embarrassing as our president was, our ex-president, he doesn't even hold a candle to their president who continues to go on and who continues to be granted all kinds of, of immunity, who continues to just be allowed to do whatever he wants. And, um, yeah, nice job up there, guys. Okay, so here are the 11. The referee, of course, do I have the referee's name or did I leave that out? It looks like I left the referee's name out. Uh, let's go to the lineups, starting with the home side, Moreirense, for their new manager, João Henriques, who replaced Vasco Siabra in the offseason. Mateus Passinato is the goalkeeper. They're playing the traditional old-school 4-4-2. Abdu, the Portugal U21 international. We saw Abdu in the U21 championships way back in the beginning of June. Feels like it was a lifetime ago because there's been so much international football this summer. But way back in the first week of June, uh, Abdu was representing Portugal of course, after Thierry Correa was removed from the U21 team for testing positive with COVID, Abdu stepped in and uh, he did fine in that tournament. He's he's a good player. Uh, the the center back pairing for uh, Moreirense was Artur Jorge and Lazar Rosic, leaving former Benfica player and current Canada international uh, Stephen Vitoria on the bench. And then Abdullai was the left back four in midfield in the center of the double uh, center midfield of Walterson and Fabio Pacheco, Philippe Suarez down the left, and Rafael Martins down the right, the two strikers, Jan and Piers. For Benfica and for Jota Jota, JJ playing poker, like I said, flat out lying <laughs> in a way about what this team was going to look like. But I like this. I actually like this lineup. Okay, a little more rotation than than I would have liked. A little more rotation than I, well, more than I could have ever uh, predicted. I tweeted out when this lineup came up. I, I tweeted a, an image of the lineup, and I said, neither I nor anybody else predicted this one. But here it is. Uh, Odysseus Vlakodimo is the goalkeeper. Odi is back. We knew he was going to start this one. Elton is suspended. Um, again, he uh, ha had a moment in the match where, you know, he's called into question and be interesting to see Tuesday, tomorrow, uh, maybe today when you're listening, uh, at least today when you listen to this because you won't hear this before Tuesday. But, uh, you know, does Elton start against Spartak? That, that could tell us everything. Uh, we need to know if JJ goes back to Elton or not. I had some theories as to what was going on. But perhaps it may have been just as simple as uh, Odie was going to play this game, so JJ put Odie in the last game. I I wouldn't do that, but but it's entirely possible. Three man back line, the usual: it Lucas Verissimo, Nicolas Otamendi, and the captain Nicolas Otamendi, that is, and Superjan Vertonghen on the left center back position. Uh, wing backs. Diogo Gonçalves gets the start again at the right wing back. I thought we were going to see Gilberto in this one. Uh, I thought Diogo was going to be rested. Well, Diogo's going to get some rest now, isn't he? Uh, we'll get into it. But yes, Diogo Gonçalves eventually sent off in this match. Uh, going to get some rest, unfortunately. Not the way he wanted to regain his fitness. Left wing back is the debut of Gil Diaz in the in the 11. Um, 
I confess I like this player quite a bit. I've, I've watched him for several seasons um, as he's been a developing player. And I think there is a whole ton of upside to him. It's not there yet, obviously. I've seen a lot of criticism of him already. Uh, but great to see him get a, get a run in this. And he was at no point in the match was he out there looking completely lost. He's still adapting as a wingback. He is a right-sided wide attacker who is being converted to a left-sided, you know, wide defender. So, uh, I, I, for one, I thought he was fine. I mean, there's been some criticism of him, even people close to me, people in my family that that you know, those of us that are Benfica fans in my family, which is is the minority, but a lot of criticism of him. Um, for me, I thought he was fine, and uh, I hope he gets more more opportunities. He's a player that needs to play a lot. But just like Gil Gonçalves last year needed time and needed minutes, I think the same holds true for Gil Diaz. Uh, Gil Diaz, if you don't remember, not that long ago, was highly touted as a young player uh, in this league. Moving on, okay, he, he's he's had some time at Wolves. He's had some time at Family. He had some he was pretty good at Family Con last year, but he's also had some time at Nottingham Forest, uh, among other places. And uh, I, I want to see him grow, and I want to see him develop, and I want to see this team get better on that left side. Um, unfortunately, we leaked a goal from that left side once again. That is just our Achilles' heel right now, the left side of our defense. But um, for me, Gilles Diaz puts in a solid performance, especially in a debut. First time wearing this jersey. This is a heavy one, all right? This is not Fumalico, with all due respect. This is a heavy, heavy jersey, and uh, I thought he did admirably in this one. Okay, the de- another debut, Miete steps in. All right, our new signing who came over from Torino not too long ago, who had virtually no preseason. He didn't even train with Torino while he was trying to find a move. He came in completely unfit, completely out of shape. Not to body shame anybody, but you can see from the television even that uh, he's got a few extra pounds on him. But man, once he gets the ball, once the ball's on his feet, he does some good things with it. There were moments in this game I thought he was very, very good. I think that um, he is someone that as he regains fitness, could become a real crucial piece. Now, I'm going off just what I've heard of him. I've not seen much of this guy. This is really the first time I've sat and watched him play. And I can see how a fit Miete could be a pro, not a prototype, but a carbon copy or a, a poor man's Renato Sanchez, if you will. A guy that, when fit, has the lung to go up and down the pitch. And the box to box, and he, he's just a physical specimen. I thought he he's so strong on the ball, um, and he looks like he has good passing technique. He's got he's got good ball winning ability. And again, I want to see as he gets fitter. I really want to see the combination of, of him, Weigel, and Romario in this midfield. And I've seen the criticism of this thought because one of you on Twitter, and I don't remember who, posted your ideal lineup. Um, and you had the three of them playing in the center mid, and you're getting you're getting absolutely obliterated by other Twitterers <laughs> uh, who are who are telling you you don't know anything about football because how three center backs and then two holding mids? Well, it's not two holding mids if Weigel and Miete are playing together in in the center of the park. They're not double holding mids; they're a double pivot. It's a much different 
set up. They're not two a double holding mid are two players who sit in front of the back three and clog the holes. Okay. That's what we're gonna see on teams we face. Okay, we're going to see two holding mids in front of a back four on some of the teams in this Liga when we face them. That's not what's going to happen when you put Weigel and Miete together. I think they're going to complement each other well. you got one who likes to get to get physical, one who seemingly is very strong and very workmanlike, and then complemented by the very technique-oriented and very intelligent Ulian Weigel, who just sees the game differently, who sees more of it, who anticipates well. And I think if you're Ulian Weigel, you got to be ecstatic at the fact that you have a prospect this season where maybe you don't have to cover 12, 13 kilometers a match because you're running around trying to run down loose balls that were lost by your midfield partner. I think this could be a very good uh, tandem in midfield. And like I said, when Joel Mati was back, you bring his his ability, his... Um, his skill, his technique, his passing ability, and just his ability to, to control the tempo of the match. I think you have a very strong midfield when everybody is in there. What does that do for Rafa and Pizzi? Well, we'll have to wait and see what JJ decides to do about that because that does kind of put one of them on the outs. Um, but again, hopefully we're going to we're gonna progress in the Champions League. Hopefully we're going to find ourselves in the group stage. Hopefully we got, you know... The Tasa de Portugal, the Tasa de Liga. There should be plenty of matches for everybody to get some burn and for all of these guys to keep a level of fitness that um, that we need and to keep themselves, you know, in good form. Uh, also in midfield, uh, partnering with Miete, of course, it is it is Adele Tarap. So it's a 3-4-3 three, three in this one. Uh, Luca Waldschmidt playing in the front. Actually, I, I take that back. It is a 3-5-2. Because, again, Fought Mob, you can always count on them to put the lineup up wrong because Everton did not play where they have him. But anyway, Everton is in there as well. Everton Subolinia gets his first start of the season. Again, very short preseason for Everton Subolinia. Coming back from Copa America late, having very, very little offseason. Same problem he was in last year. Last year, he came in off the first half of the Brasileiro. He came in having, or not the Brasileiro, he had finished the, the Campeonato Gaúcho. For, for Grêmio, but he had played a lot of matches in a short period of time, then arrived at Benfica, and the fatigue hit him. I think it hit his form. We only saw the... We saw a glimpse of what Everton can be in the tail end of the season, and he was one of Benfica's best players in the final four or five matches of the season. But... um I think he's going to have the same struggles this season because he went to Copa America. He played a lot, you know, he played his fair share of minutes, but even if he doesn't play a lot of minutes, he's not recovering. He's not recovering from a season in which he basically played two seasons in one coming from Brazil into Europe and starting all over at what was the middle of his, you know, his body's season. His body was in mid-season um condition and mid-season wear. And started all over when he got to Portugal last year. So um, we'll see what it goes with Everton. But I'm going to be patient on him again. And I know a lot of people don't have the patience. And I understand he cost a lot of money. And he was touted as this this star that we were somehow able to beat out some of the Giants. Some of the Sharks to sign. And now he's here and he hasn't quite delivered. And I, But I think come, come November and December, I think he will uh, be a much more... Fit player, 
but he needs he needs to be handled properly here. And um Valchmidt also in the attack and of course the striker is is Gonzalo Ramos and if I didn't mention him if I skipped over him Adelta Rapt gets the start. I said that was going to happen. I thought JJ was going to go with him even though there were other options. There was Jetson uh who came in and did well later. And uh, again, I would have liked to see Florentino get some minutes as well, but that's not where JJ went with this one. This game also got very cagey, got very complicated, so I totally understand that. All right, let's look at what went down in the first half. It started right away. Befica starting very, very, very well in this first half, and it did not take very long. Uh, the ball movement was very, very good in the first quarter of an hour. I mean, they get an opportunity right in the... Right in the seventh minute after a Gonzalo Ramos gets in, uh, he gets a right-footed shot from the left side. This was a great play by Gonzalo Ramos, okay? He was played in by Luca Valschmidt. People say Luca Valschmidt didn't do anything in this game. I beg to differ. So Valschmidt gets himself into space, gets himself turned, gets himself facing forward, plays in Gonzalo Ramos down the left, and, and Gonzalo Ramos just... For a 20-year-old kid, so intelligent in using his body, using his strength to keep his positioning, to protect the ball, something our players are not very good at last season, or were not very good at last season. Protecting the ball, he protects it, he gets himself in an opportunity, and he forces one on goal, forces a save from Pasinato, almost puts it through his legs. I mean, he very nearly put Benfica ahead, and um, it was a nice play from, from Gonzalo Ramos. There was an ensuing uh, corner, and Everton gets the cross, and he finds Nicholas Otamendi, but Otamendi's header from the center of the box misses just right, but you get another corner from it. So, back-to-back -back corners. You don't want to give Benfica back-to-back -back corners if you are Moredens uh, here, and this time, make no mistake about it, the corner is taken. And if I, it's funny, if you watch the replay, I watched it a little while ago. The corner falls right to Jan Vertonghen. Jan is not himself right now. Jan is tired. Jan is worn down. Jan was at the Euro till the quarterfinals. Jan is not a young spring chicken anymore. He may be super Jan, but he's not super young. And um, Jan couldn't get his head to this. It actually hits his foot. But fortunately for him, with his foot, it finds its way towards Lucas Verismo. Verismo's in the right spot. And it it is a Morirens player, if I'm not mistaken, trying to clear it. Puts it right up towards Verismo's head. And Verismo just reacts quickly. Beautiful reaction time. Um, and he puts it into the goal from about 3-4 meters away into the empty goal. It is Lucas Verismo getting on the score sheet. His first goal in a Befica uniform. First goal of the season, and I really like Lucas Verissimo. Uh, he is he is growing into the type of defender we that was being advertised. Okay, uh, you can see why he is on the cusp of finding himself in Brazil's national team. Had he not been injured at the end of last season, he would have been at Copa America. He um, he has. Again, two games in a row this week where he was just lights out. He was fantastic. He was fantastic in Moscow, and now he was fantastic again. And we had heard rumblings that he wasn't going to be fit for this match, that he was very tired. There was a lot of fatigue. Um, we also heard fatigue about Ulian Weigel. That proved to be true because he, he was, you know, kept on the bench. 
in the uh, in this match, but it was from very very close range. But Lucas Verissimo needs to get the credit to put himself in the right place. Okay, he puts himself in the right position, and the reaction to get his head on that ball and put it into the goal um, deserves credit as well. Very very good play here. Um, it may not have been pretty. It was a broken goal, but you know what? Titles and momentum is one on broken goals. Broken goals change everything. You can't win just scoring pretty goals. The teams that do that do not win. Okay, you got to get them ugly sometimes. And this was one that was on sheer effort that that created this goal. Well done to Lucas Verissimo. Okay. Four minutes later, the first controversial moment of the match. Um, it is Artur George originally being shown a red card for a foul on Luca Waldschmidt. It looked like Luca was in behind. Um, the referee originally shows the red card. However, it goes to the VAR. Now, when I saw this replay, I said this this is going to be overturned. This, to me, is not a red card, but... There are some things that need to be also discussed. And IFAB, the International Federation of of Referees, um, and FIFA, and UEFA, and all the other confederations and the leagues have to figure out the criteria for a red card for a foul. Yes, he gets the ball first, and that's why once I saw that, it's it's all ball. It is not going to be red. I didn't believe it would be red at that point. However, in his follow-through, it is not true. This is a fallacy. It is not true that if you get the ball first, you can take whatever you want. You can get the leg. You can get the, the knee. You can get whatever you want. That's not true. It may have been called that way in the 1980s, in the glory days when players were tough. But in 2021, that is not the way the, ma- the, the match is officiated. That is not the way the rules are interpreted. Um, so in the follow-through with the trail leg, Artur George takes Luka Waldschmidt out. Artur um, George's play, his clearance, okay, was short. Had he not followed through and taken Luka Waldschmidt out and put him on the ground, Luka very well could have run that ball down and gone in on a breakaway. He was unable to do that due to the follow-through. Does that make it a foul? Does that make it a sending off a red card? I don't know. I don't believe so. Not the way it's being refereed. But let's get some clarification. Referees, league organizers, FIFA, you know, rules committee, IFAB, clarify, expand, broaden the definitions. Have more situational examples. Because it is true that if he doesn't follow through and he doesn't get the leg after he gets the ball, you have a breakaway. Now that, that you know, it's like an onion. It peels back one layer. And now you have to wonder, now is it a clear and obvious goal-scoring opportunity? Okay, that, that is the language that the that the laws of the game have for a direct red. It has to be a, an, uh, a clear, obvious goal-scoring opportunity. Um. If, if that's not the case, it's not a sending off. If it's done in the follow-through, you know, again, clarify. 
I've heard shouts that this was a pass back. For me, it's not a pass back because he's clearing the ball. He's not intentionally playing a pass. A pass is, has to be 100% intentional. When you're sliding like that, he's doing anything he can to get a touch on the ball. And he just happens to kick it to the goalkeeper. So I, in the end, I think the referee gets this one right. Uh, or the VAR gets it right. Or the referee, I should say, interprets the video correctly. Because the VAR did send him to the monitor. Um Unfortunate for Benfica because of what would come later. And it does always seem that right or wrong, it does seem like many times we're on the wrong end of of the VAR, whether it's the right call or the wrong call. But again, um, on this one, I think the referee got it right. I'm going to criticize when, when, when it's, you know, when it's time to criticize. But in this case, you know, I think the referee got it right, unfortunately for us, because we would have been sitting pretty especially with the match coming up, you know, we're just a few days at this time um, away from an, a crucial home leg against Spartak. It's only a 2-0 uh, lead we have. We can't get too comfortable. So it's not like we can just play the second string out there on Tuesday and go through. We have to go and take care of business. It could have been a lot easier if this game, if we had played against 10 in this one from the 12th minute, but that wasn't to be the case. But in the end, like I said, I think referee got this one right. Uh, we move on. And in the 18th, another play as Nicolas Otamendi Bill starts the play out of the back, plays a square ball to Lucas Verissimo. And again, Lucas Verissimo with the smartest play up to this point in the match and just plays a fantastic quality vertical ball. Into space for uh, for Diogo Salves. Okay, he plays Diogo Salves. You know the the wing back sees the channel to exploit. He sees the path. He sees where Verissimo is going to play the ball. He takes off, and then he plays a nice cross, and it ends up Gonzalo tries to get on it. It it squirts out afterwards. It. I don't remember if, if it was saved or if it was blocked. But the ball pops back out. But Luka Waldschmidt running correctly. Got the right run going. And on his preferred left foot, simply slides it into the far corner of the goal. And it is 2-0 to Benfica in the 18th minute. And I was psyched. I was pumped. And I'm thinking we're going to win 4 or 5 nil in this one. It looked like we had completely shell-shocked. Moreirense, and I said, oh, Moreirense is not ready for the season. Moreirense has already been eliminated from the Tasa de Liga. They had to play last week in one of the play-in matches. They've been knocked out. But Moreirense also wakes up in this one. Uh, moving on, we get another opportunity here as we move a little bit further forward. It's Diogo Salves with an opportunity saved by Pasinato. But then... A little bit of a disaster in the 29th, okay? And again, Super Jan is super tired. And, you know, he's not super quick. He gets exploited a little bit. But it's a it's a nice play from what it is. Sometimes you have to give credit where credit is due. And it's not always because of our failures that the other team scores. Sometimes the other team has quality and has merit and deserves the goal. And on this one, Rafael Martins gets a left-footed shot. He gets in behind Befica's back line. Um, of course, with the wingbacks pushed up, that does means you can't lose the ball in that the edge of that defending third. And 
we lose the ball in the edge of that defending third. So Jan Vertonghen has no chance here to catch up to Rafael Martins. He gets a nice ball from Jan, the Jan on the other side. Uh, he plays him in. Rafael Martins then beats uh, an unsure Odi Vlacodimos. Uh, Odi comes out, but he comes out for me. I've watched this one a couple times. I can't decide if he came out too early or too late. And by too early, I mean it almost looked like he came out, stopped, backed up, and then came out again. Or if he just waited too too late to make his decision to come out. And then he comes out and doesn't really commit to it, which is the problem. And Rafael Martins easily dribbles around him and scores a pretty highlight reel of a goal from what it is. 2-1 to one to Benfica now in the 30th minute. And um, at the 30-minute mark is where Adel Terap's tank runs out. And the first sign that Adel is running low on fumes is he picks up the typical yellow card that he picks up. That comes in the 32nd minute after fouling uh, Abdullahi in the defensive half, no less. And Abdullahi uh, goes down. Adel Tarap goes into the referee's book. A opportunity again for Morerens in the 34th. Abdullahi with the right-footed shot from the center of the box, but saved in the bottom right corner by Odi. Again, this is the Jekyll and Hyde that is Odi Vlacodimo. So good at stopping shots. Such a good stop shotter. He, If he can see it, he saves it. Almost, It's almost a guarantee that if he can see it, he saves it. But then the other sides of his game, of his goalkeeping, leave so much to be desired. Uh, whether it's his, the play on his feet, his ability to play crosses, or his coming out. And um, again, it, it's just a tough decision. I feel like I'm pretty sure after this game that George uh, Jesus is going back to Elton late on Tuesday and going forward. But may I'm not there. I'm not on the training ground. I'm not the goalkeeping coach. And you know, goalkeeping coaches have a lot to say in which goalkeeper plays as well because they spend so much time with these players. I'm not him, so I'm just giving you what I can, what I'm hypothesizing from my couch. Um. Of course, if I were there or whoever's there has more information to work with, and maybe I'm way off, and maybe Odie is 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 JJ's pick for for the time being. Who knows? Who knows what has gone down? They have not told us these things, so it's all speculation at this point. Uh, there's a play in the 45th minute um, where if you are in trouble, okay, uh, Morenes are playing into the box. They got a chance, but Benfica get back. They recover in just enough time. And I think it is Otamendi that pokes the ball away. Verissimo gets on the loose one, plays it in to Miete, who finds Tarapt. And Tarapt is so exhausted, he decides to make a one-time pass backwards towards Lucas Verissimo. But it doesn't even make it halfway to Lucas. And Tarapt is so exhausted that he can't even run it down. He kind of just... Does, you know, if you can see me, he just kind of drops his shoulders, exhales heavily. And Lucas Ferissimo comes in sliding. Or it may have even been Otamendi now that I think about it. It might have been Otamendi coming in sliding to prevent another counterattack. And at that point, this is why I don't want, I don't have. This is one reason I'm always hammering this home about Adel Terapt. He does not have 90 minutes in him. When you don't have 90 minutes, in my opinion, you don't play from the start. You come in later. 
I think I would be much more positive on a Delta Rapt if he entered matches at the 60-minute mark, 65, 70-minute mark. Because here we are at the end of the first half, and he's completely gassed. Gonzalo Ramos with another brilliant opportunity set up by Miete in the 39th. Right-footed shot from the side, uh, from the right side of the box. Saved in the top center of the goal by Passinato. Uh, two minutes later in the 41st, it's, it's Waldschmidt with the chance. Left-footed shot from the left side of the box. Saved in the bottom right corner. He's set up by Gonzalo Ramos. I really liked Gonzalo Ramos in this match. Um, you can point to the fact that he missed some opportunities again. You can point to the fact that uh, he did not score. But he, for a 20-year-old kid, and th- I know this sets some, some fuses off for people when when we bring age into it, but for a kid with such little experience, okay, he has such a high intelligence. He not only played well as a supporting striker, if you will, not as a supporting striker, but as one of two, okay, in the attack alongside Waldschmidt in this one. But when Waldschmidt was pulled later, and he realized he had to play alone up there, the work rate from Gonzalo Ramos defensively, in pressing the ball, in forcing the Morenas players to make passes they don't want to play, cutting off the vertical passing lanes. There was such a high work rate from the kid, and I think he went underappreciated in this match. When you look at the rating system, we'll look at that at the end of the match. I think it undervalues some of the things that Gonzalo Ramos did in this match. Uh, I really liked his tenacity. I liked his work rate. I liked his, his attitude. And I hope we see more of them. And I I would love to see Gonzalo Ramuz and Roman Yarmuchuk together in the attack tomorrow. Together up front. Setting each other up. I think that could be a very, very potent, potent strike pairing. If JJ allows that to happen, maybe something beautiful can blossom out of that partnership. Uh, Ramuz hits the crossbar in the 45th plus one. And um, he gets he still gets another header off across from Gilles Diaz at the 45th plus three before the referee blows the whistle for halftime after a Fabio Pacheco opportunity is from the outside of the box is missed to the right from Morenes. Halftime and um, Benfica go into the team room ahead two to one. And then coming out in the second half, everything changes in the 55th minute. Benfica looked like they were in control. They looked they looked much more likely to go get the third goal than Morenes did look likely to, to equalize. But then Diogo Salves originally shown a yellow card. And the referee again called to the VAR, uh, to the screen, to the monitor. And again, like I said... We're hard lucked by the VAR. I'm not saying it's it is absolutely the right call. The first time, even in live play, it looked like violent conduct to me. I don't know what Diogo Salves was thinking at this moment, what he was doing. Um, I don't know if it was emotion. I can't imagine. It just looks like a poor judgment and a poor timing. Comes in, studs up on the bottom of the of the opponent's foot. I said this during the Euro on the Parking the Bus podcast. Whenever you get that, it's a straight red. I don't remember anymore who the player was that was sent off for that exact tackle in the middle of the park. But I said whenever you get a guy there, it is a sending off. I had an argument with <laughs> with the guest. And um, 
again, I have to stay true to that. You know, that is what I said, and I still say it. And even though it happened to Benfica, that's that's where uh, that's what I believe here. It's a well shown red card to Diogo Gonzalez that made this match a hundred times harder than it had to be in the final, you know, thirty five minutes. And um, as a result, JJ goes to the bench with a double substitution. Gilberto comes on for for Waldschmidt, and that's the change that I said a moment ago leaves Gonzalo alone as the lone striker. And Ulian Weigel comes in for Adel Tarapt. Ulian Weigel takes all of a takes all of a, a couple of minutes, three minutes to see a yellow card. And this is I, I thought the referee did fine, with the exception of the the criteria for cards. This is something that happened all last season, and it seems like every time Benfica commit a foul, it's a booking. It just seems that way, and, and this wasn't even. This is a poorly shown yellow card in my in my opinion because the only reason Weigel's foot is that high on Rafael Martins is because he was fouled first and knocked off balance and he's falling, trying to play the ball, but then knocked off balance, falling, and he loses control of his foot. The only reason, and it does not connect on Rafael Martins' face. Rafael Martins makes a meal of it. Weigel goes in the book after three minutes. A couple substitutions for... Or a substitution, I should say, for Morirense. Gonzalo Franco replaces Abdu Conte. And it's due to injury. Abdu injured, comes off. Tough break for Morirense. Uh, this is a team that has been very difficult for all of the big three to play against, especially on their home pitch the last couple seasons. So, again, I'm not overly down on the way Benfica won this match. I'm not overly up about the fact that they won either. It, it, at this point in the season, we have to stay very even keel. Look at what happened in the match. Look at the situations. Take your pros. Take your cons. Learn from from the mistakes, but build on the successes. And then it becomes a very cagey affair once Benfica go to 10, like we said. Uh, Philippe Suarez with an opportunity in the 68th, but... Uh, his shot from outside the box blocked by Ruben. Uh, not, I almost called Lucas Verissimo Ruben Diaz there. No, it is Lucas Verissimo. Um, <laughs> he makes a nice block. In the 69th, we get another substitution. Rafa comes on, replaces Everton. Rafa in better form right now than Everton. Uh, for Tuesday, I expect to see Rafa and not Everton in that position. Everton's got some work to do, but he also, you know, again... I don't want to rush him. I don't want to see him struggle for nine months if that can be avoided by bringing him in slowly for the first month. So we'll see what goes, what happens going forward with Everton. Subolina, 74th minute, Artur George shown a yellow card. Remember, he had already been shown the red and then had it taken back from the VAR earlier. He fouls Gonzalo Ramos. Gonzalo Ramos earning his stripes. Okay, The kid is playing hard, playing smart. Taking his lumps, not complaining about it, just getting up and going. I love the attitude in Gonzalo Ramos. I've been big on this kid since he was a youth player. And I will be completely pissed and completely distraught if this guy gets buried on the bench against this season. It has to be a priority to get him his due minutes. If If his form drops and he becomes, you know... A liability to the team, that is one thing. But when he puts in an effort and he puts in a, you know, 
for me, a very productive off-the-ball performance as well as on-the-ball in this game. Yes, he didn't. If we're just judging on goals and assists, which I sometimes am guilty of doing, because I believe very highly in that because at the end of the day, you win with with how many goals you score. But I think he's building towards that, and I think the goals are going to come for this kid. We've seen before. He can come on, be given seven minutes and score a goal, be given half a chance and score a goal. He is that guy that can score on half a chance. So I hope that he continues to get his opportunities, and I hope he continues to take them and to play hard and to impress the manager. I do think he's impressing the manager. I think Georges Zouche is appreciating the work that Gonzalo Ramos is putting in so far this season. And now he's got a strike partner that I think can turn him into a huge, huge player because Roman Yarmuchuk is going to command so much attention from the opposition that I think it can create some space and lots of opportunities for a Gonzalo Ramush or a Harris Seferovic as well um, as you know we move through this this early stage of the season. Uh, another substitution, double substitution for João Henrique as André Luiz replaces Artur Jorge and Galego replaces Felipe Suarez. But Benfica see out the result. At the end of the day, it is Benfica doing their thing. In the 82nd, we see Jetson come on. He replaces Miete. I, I liked what I saw from Miete. I've heard the criticism that, like all the other midfielders from Benfica, the passes are all vertical and backward. Well, there's a reason. Not vertical, excuse me, lateral and backward. Not enough vertical passing. This is the system that everybody plays now. When you play with three at the back and you play with a wide wing back and you play with three in the midfield, all your options are gonna be square. They're gonna be they're gonna be side to side. Very hard to you make those side to side passes to open the channel, to open the path for that vertical pass to play in the guys like Rafa, the guys like in this case Waldschmidt in this game. The guys like Gonzalo Ramos or a Pizzi when he's there, a João Mario when he's there. You but those you know, lateral passes are very important in establishing that. No, it's not for the sake of possession. It's for the sake of stretching the opponent and creating those channels. But then you have to recognize when those channels are there, you have to take them and you have to put that vertical pass through. Um, Grimaldo replaces Gil Diaz. Again, I, I was fine with Gil Diaz. I thought he had himself a fair uh, debut. And definitely a performance you can build on and a and a, a confidence builder for him. No doubt about it. Maybe you can see out the result. There's not many opportunities here. It doesn't really go into doubt as the referee blows his whistle at 90 plus 8. There were 8 minutes of stoppage time. But Benfica win this one. Um, 3 points. 3 very important points in a place that are hard to pick up 3 points. Uh, so no, it wasn't pretty. No, it wasn't easy. No, we didn't get much of a goal difference either, which can come into play later. But at the end of the day, three points for Benfica. Let's take a look then now at the, uh, goal point. I'm going to pull that up for you so that we can look at the players ratings in this one before we call it another episode. And here comes the goal point, as you see there. The Moreirense 1 being Fika 2. And you see they're praising Lucas as I am. Lucas Verissimo, of course, is saying Lucas decides this this uh, game that was full of battle, full of fight. Uh, if, you go to, you, if you go to goalpoint.pt and you select this game, you can watch the video there. But here is the 
ratings. Starting with the XG, I'm going to start with the XG. Morirense with a 1.3 XG. They performed up to the um, expected, as did Befica, 2.4 XG, two goals for them. Average rating for Morirense was 5.26. Average rating for Benfica, 5.73. You see there, the man of the match, it is Lucas Verissimo. But the ratings, starting with Morirense, Passinato, 6.0. Walterson, 4.6. Artur George, 4.6. Fabio Pacheco, 4.3. Rosic, 4.8. Abdullah, 5.8. Abdu Conti, 5.3. Pirish with the 5.1. Philippe Swatch, 5.2. Jan Mateusz, 6.0. And Rafael Martinez, 6.1 with the goal. The substitutes, Ishmael has a 5.1. Franco, 4.7. Gallego, 5.9. Andrea Luis, 4.8. And Frimpong, 5.2. For Benfica, the goalkeeper, Odi, gets a 5.4 here. If not for his error on that goal, he probably has himself a nice little rating for this matchup. And if not for that error, he probably... Makes an argument to stay between the goalposts, but uh, it's going to be hard to make that argument now, given the way that Moreira scored. Jan Vertonghen, 5.6. Like I said, he doesn't seem to be. Of course, he's he's not young, but he does not seem to be. Um, he doesn't seem to be anywhere near 100%. I think he needs maybe some more downtime to recuperate and to regenerate after a long season last year. And a somewhat extended uh, Euro 2020 this summer. Otamendi puts in a solid 6.1 uh, performance. Lucas Verissimo, man of the match performance right here. Look at that, 7.3. He was also named the man of the match by the Liga B win. Uh, Diogo Salves with a harsh 3.9. A lot of that due to the red card. Uh, like I said, sometimes these ratings get skewed by one or two different instances. Miete with a 5.8. Not bad. Terapt 5.5. Gilles Diaz puts in a solid 6.1. Like I said, I don't think that at any point did he we look like we were hurting at that position. And um, yeah, I, I, I like his upside. I do. I like the upside on Gilles Diaz. And I think over the course of the season, he could really, really grow into a very, very good outside defender. Luka Valchmidt puts in a, a very good 7.2 rating. I mean, again, the criticism of him, unwarranted. Uh, I thought he did quite a bit, and maybe it doesn't always look so pleasing on the eye. But uh, analytically speaking, you can see right there, 7.2. He's the second-best rated player on the pitch in this one. Uh, Everton, 5.3. Gonzalo Ramos, 5.2. I think he deserves higher. But again, a lot of the things he did well are not things that get you uh, that get you a rating in a in a statistic-based analytics, uh, you know, algorithm. But all in all, a good rating. Weigel, 5.2 off the bench. Gilbert, 5.3. Rafa, 5.0. Here is a look at the man of the match, Lucas Verissimo. You can see his heat map there. He had a goal. He won his one aerial duel. Um, He had eight uh, close-range passes. He had two defensive actions in the opposition's midfield, three interceptions, four clearances, and one blocked shot, which we talked about not that long ago, about a big blocked shot from Lucas Verissimo when I called him 
<laughs> Ruben Dias. Okay, so here are some more statistics. Shots tied 10 to 10. Very even in that one. Shots on goal, though. Benfica with the edge 6 to 3. Actions in the opponent's area. Uh, penalty area that's talking about. But if you again winning that statistic, I love this statistic. I want to see them win this all the time. It means you've got the ball, but it means you have it in dangerous positions. 20 to 11 is the total there. Uh, corners, 6 to none for Benfica. Pass efficiency, 83% efficient for Benfica to 68 for Morenes. Vertical pass efficiency, 66%. Very good uh, day of passing for Benfica. 41% for Moreres. Um Defensive actions in the opponent's midfield, 15-15. to 15. Fouls committed 20-18, to 18, slightly in favor of Moreres. And the possession went to Benfica, 60-40. Let's look then at the table. And actually, I will just read it off for you this week. Uh, I won't bring it up on the screen um, with only one round played. All the teams that won are in first place, and this is the first time I ever remember this happening. There were no draws in week one uh, this season between um, any of the teams. So you have nine teams tied for first place right now. Nine teams with three points. Right now, Gil Vicente and Sporting and Tondela are sharing the top spot, all three of them, with 3-0 victories. Braga, Istoril, Football Club do Porto, Passos, Ferreira, and Benfica next with Portimonense in their three points in ninth. Uh, Portimonense and Benfica both with a plus one goal difference. So that leaves the rest of the table. Moreirense, Vitória Guimarães, Arroca, Bissad, Famalicão, Maritimo, Povista, Santa Clara, and Vizela with defeats. One of the shocking results was not just uh, Gil Vicente beating Boa Vista, but also... Tondela beating Santa Clara 3-0. That, that was a surprising result for me. Let's quickly look at next week's fixtures. Okay, Week 2, or round 2, I should say, in the Liga Nage. I'll bring that up for you right now. It'll be just one more moment as we close out this episode 118. Very late here on the East Coast of the United States. 11 p.m. I got to be up in three hours, so I got to speed this up. But here are... The fixtures, starting with Friday's match. Friday, Istoril host Vitoria Guimarães. Saturday, Vizela host Tondela Benfica. Host Aroca. That's a 1 o'clock Eastern time kickoff here in the United States or on the East Coast of the United States. 10 o'clock Pacific, which makes it a 6 p.m. or a 18 o'clock kickoff at the Stadio de Luz. Uh, Braga, after that, will host Sporting. In the second match of the season, we have a big showdown between and a rematch of the Super Cup between two of the heavyweights in Portuguese football. And this time it's at the Pedreira. It's at the quarry up north. It's up in Braga. It is Braga hosting Sporting. 3.30 Eastern time on Saturday. That is, of course, 8.30, 20.30 in Portugal. Sunday, Portimonense host Gil Vicente. Famalicão hosts Football Clube do Porto. And Santa Clara hosts Morenense. And it wouldn't be the Portuguese League, the Liga Portugal, or as we're calling it this season, the Liga B win, without Monday matches. And um, it is Boavista hosting Passos de Ferreira and Bissad 
hosting Maritimu. All right, my friends, that's going to do it for this episode of Mr. Benfica. Thank you for hanging with me to everyone listening on the podcast. Uh, don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already, wherever you're listening, whether it's on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on TuneIn, on Stitcher, on iHeartRadio, on Audacity, on uh, Audible. Don't forget to tell Alexa to just play the Mr. Benfica podcast and she will play it. Um, again, wherever you get your podcast, make sure to follow. And if you're watching on YouTube, I need you to go right there, right there. Hit the little bell, uh, ne- hit the subscribe button, and then hit the little bell next to it and subscribe so you get alerted the next time I go live. Benfica play Spartak Moscow Tuesday, 3 o'clock Eastern time here in the United States, 8 o'clock Portuguese Standard Time. Uh, I'll be back later this week to recap that, probably on Friday night, and get you ready for Saturday's matchup with Aroca. And um, I expect to see a lot of Diogo Salves in this one on Tuesday because he's not going to be available for a while in the league. All right. Thank you for watching. This has been Mr. Benfica, episode 118. I am the Mr. Mike Agustinu signing off. Don't forget to check out www.mrbenfica.com. Thank mm-hmm. you.